1: Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Kevin Gauch about change management and continual improvement mindset. Kevin Gauch, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
0: Jonathan, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today. Joining us from outside of Philadelphia, I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about successful change management, uh, frontline workers in tech, and how all of that uh, in the digitation process can work together to create really dynamic, continuous improvement mindset, and climate and culture within organizations. As we get started, I wanted to share Kevin's bio with everybody. Kevin has 16 years in the construction industry with experience in management, quality project management, and continuous improvement. He spent 13 years at a utility contractor at Henkels & McCoy, where he worked his way up from a regional management role to director in their shared services corporate office. He made the jump from construction to software when the company was bought over just over a year ago and he was a customer of safety culture prior to coming to work there and his passion and mission is to empower frontline workers to improve safety quality productivity and job satisfaction i love all of that uh super important i'm excited to have this conversation with you today anything else you would like to share with me or the audience by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in?
0: i think the only thing i could add to it is uh you know, lean continuous improvement—it's it's prevalent, it's prevalent in pretty much all industries, especially manufacturing. Uh, having that applied to the construction industry is somewhat unique. It's kind of a niche within a niche. Uh, so that's probably, you know, for those out there that are kind of have that construction slant on things, this this may be something that's not uh, as easy to come across as some of the more manufacturing examples that are out in the out in the ether, so to speak.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, wonderful. And I, and I always love taking things from a slightly different niche or perspective. Um, let's go ahead and dive on in and talk about kind of an overarching framework for successful change management from your experience. Um, we can lay that foundation and then we can move into talking about continuous improvements, improvement mindset and some of the pitfalls and obstacles that organizations might face and how we can overcome those.
0: That'd be great. That'd be great. I, I think, uh when you start off, right, with continuous improvement, uh, you know, the most important thing to consider is people, right? It's people, culture trumps everything, every time, right? And so when a company goes to uh, roll out a new initiative or to to say we're going to start doing continuous improvement, whatever that means, uh, a a lot of times they do it from a top-down kind of cost-oriented Uh, uh, perspective, and they don't take a step back to think what are the people that this is going to most greatly affect? How are they going to perceive this? How are they going to take to it and and how is it going to affect them? Right. Uh, And so first and foremost, every time, all the time, you've got to talk to the people, I'll say in the field or on the front lines or, uh, you know, kind of at the tip of the spear when it comes to the processes that you're ultimately going to try to improve. Uh, these are the people that live in them every day, and so you, you definitely want to include them on the front end of any conversation you're having around around continuous improvement.
1: Yeah, I, are there any overarching types of change management frameworks um, that you've utilized over time? Uh, it's okay if if there aren't. Um, I, I mean, personally, I, I am I like to be a, a student of different frameworks, but I, I don't find any one framework to be, uh, you know, my gospel or anything like that. But I'm just yeah. curious if there's any. Any driving types of uh, philosophies or frameworks around change management that have influenced you?
0: Yeah, so I, I first was introduced uh, to continuous improvement from the lean perspective, right? So we, we took Toyota production system uh, and kind of translated that to construction, right? Uh, and from there, and in my in kind of the way my career went was I, I really liked it as a as a discipline, so I dove in and got the the certification, and then I moved on and got certified in Six Sigma, I went through my the black belt certification, uh, I, me personally, I think everything seems to be some kind of derivative of those two or a combination of those two that's kind of followed suit afterwards. I'm not a zealot of either one of them to be truthful. I think they all have something positive to offer once you kind of, once you take all the duplication out of it, right? There's, there's good pieces of all of it. Uh, both of them kind of going back to the first comment I made start with culture. Right. I just think that companies in general, aren't all that good at, at leading with that, you know, from a, from a leadership standpoint. And I understand, I get it. It becomes about cost very quickly and ROI. And you know what I mean? Like we're going to make this investment. They use terms like investment in in lean or continuous improvement or six Sigma uh, where the investment should be the people.
1: Yeah, and I wholeheartedly agree that the investment should always be the people. <laughs> I definitely come from like an employee-centric kind of yeah. a framework and model and philosophy uh, in in how I approach these types of topics and issues. Uh, so what you just said really resonates with me uh, in terms of that kind of a commitment and uh, overall investment and the continuous improvement of of people. And it seems like you know the the, the rate and pace of change has increased so much. Uh, in recent years, partly driven by technological disruption and innovation, but also just socio-cultural, geopolitical, like all these things, right, going on that are just forcing us to adapt and change more rapidly. Um, and how do you do that? Like the the traditional change management approaches, you know, that were taught in business schools in the '80s and '90s and 2000s, um, you know, great perspectives, but but in and of themselves often they don't have the capability to allow us to to be in a state of constant readiness for the type of change that happens in the modern world of work and the the modern environment. And so that's why, you know, the focus on continuous improvement mindset really resonates with me because I think we need to create cultures within our organizations um, where everyone is just understanding that Continual disruption is part of the game. Like we're constantly learning, we're constantly growing, we're constantly improving, we're iterating rapidly, uh, we're trying things. Not everything's going to work. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a, a significant mindset shift, I think, for a lot of people um, to to be able to wrap their head around that kind of an environment. So in in the past, where we talk about change management initiatives and resistance to change and and people, um, you know, retrenching and digging their heels in and not being willing mm-hmm. to change, like we don't we don't have to luxury of dealing with resistance to change now. Like you just have to have people who are ready to embrace change from a continuous improvement kind of a perspective, I think. And if you can't, you're just going to become obsolete. Uh, you're, you're just not going to be relevant anymore very rapidly because the world is going to pass you by as everyone else is changing. <laughs>
0: I've heard that the a company's ability to change is its number one predictor of, of of viability, right? You always hear the the blockbusters of the world as an example, and and uh, uh, Nokia, so on and so forth. That they just had the blinders on to to the evolution of of the industry and the speed at which it, it evolves, and so creating, as you said, a culture which is hundred percent true, right? A culture of where everybody is bought in to having continuous improvement, not be something that's done to them one and not something they do in addition to the work that they do from nine to five, but how they do their work. And when you go back to the traditional approach to continuous improvement, where you've got a a black belt or a consultant or even an internal consultant, which I found myself in that role many times, (laughs) where it's my responsibility to let's say go into a business unit and Find the waste and eliminate the waste Uh, and the resistance to that. And and what I truly think is the people aren't resistant to change necessarily. Uh, They're resistant to the way we go about it. Right. So I'll give you an example. I uh, was meeting with one of the business unit managers and I said, you know, we're we're the lean guys. We're here to help. Right. We're from corporate and we're going to help you find ways to drive cost out and be more efficient and all those wrong things to say. And he said, Well, look, we already do that. And, and I was like, Well, you probably don't. And he said, Well, let, let me show you what we're doing. Right. And he gave an example of a uh, utility company, and they had to remove manhole covers. And he said, The way we do it, you know, we used to do it is we had this hook on a handle, a short handle, and we would, you know, bend over, we'd hook the lid and we'd, you know, yank it off. And it was, it was hurting our guys' backs. It was heavy. It was so on and so forth. So we created this tool and they, you know, we took a pry bar, we welded a hook onto the end of it. We put a little lever on the middle of it and we were able to quickly and easily peel it off and pull it back. No one gets hurt, it takes 10 seconds. And I said, okay, yeah, right? like you win, right? You, you do do it. And the problem from a management standpoint is, well, we didn't quantify it. We didn't capture it, right? And, and maybe there's an argument to be made for not being able to, you know, share that best practice with other business units. I, I could understand that. But when you go to quantify your ROI in continuous improvement, and it's almost like, well, they don't get credit for that because that wasn't part of the project. Uh, they're people I just want to get out of their way. You know I mean? I, I may help them with some, some tools or a way to uh, maybe facilitate continuous improvement within their business unit. But that's not something I want to mess with, right? They've got frontline workers seeing a problem, coming up a, with a solution, and management supporting the efforts. They've already arrived. They just didn't. They just didn't know it yet.
1: Yeah, I really like that and great example. Um, you, you kind of started to touch on it and allude to it a bit, but let's talk more specifically about some of those main. Obstacles, the roadblocks, the the minefields, you know, that we're we're navigating as we're trying to um, help our company develop this kind of a uh, continuous improvement mindset and culture. Um, Because it sounds great, I think anyone listening is like, "Yeah, I would love that," so, mm-hmm. but doing it is something entirely different. Even if you buy into it and you think that that's a good idea, so what are the obstacles you've seen, and how can you start to overcome those?
0: I, I so I think number one, part of the mistake of traditional continuous improvement approaches were that you had the others, right? Us as continuous improvement professionals were the, the outsiders coming in to tell the people who do the work how to do their job better, right? That was the perception of it. Uh, we had certifications, we may not even know the work but we know the methodology, right? So unfortunately, a lot of times people in that situation, I could probably put myself in this this bucket at some point in my career, you felt the need to prove yourself. You felt the need to make sure that you were respected. And so you try to come across in a certain way. Uh, and just the the fact, number one, that you're an outsider, uh, works against you. Number two, you don't know the work, it works against you. And number three, you're probably a little arrogant and all that works against you. Uh, and so there's an immediate wall that comes up. So I, I think the first problem, uh, the first roadblock is having some differentiation between the coaches who are supposed to help the people along the journey and uh, those that are kind of coming in to sort of make their mark, right? Prove their worth and and, and so on and so forth. That's, that's a problem. Uh, another barrier I think is just, it's always leadership, right? I, I think everything, if you want to find the source of a problem, you can always pretty much pin it on leadership, whether it's, their tolerance of things that shouldn't be tolerated, or their, uh, you know, making decisions that affect people without considering the people or, or, you know, whatever it may be. Getting the frontline workers to own the solutions to the problems and the innovation of those solutions and the implementation of those solutions with guidance from a coach, rather than, and I've seen this before, rather than sort of the the continuous improvement professional owning, uh, you know, owning all of the kind of the day-to-day tasks of, of trying to to drive results. It, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work.
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't think that works very well if, if that's our approach. Um, so creating a, a, an environment that fosters, um, you know, a commitment towards continuous improvement, which fundamentally i think at its core requires us to create a psychologically safe environment mm-hmm. where people can try stuff and it doesn't need to even work you know when when i think about um design thinking and and rapid iteration and experimentation like that needs to become a part of what every organization does uh and that is a part of the continuous improvement mindset um when you create that psychologically safe environment it starts to reduce the resistance that people have because they just see like, oh, I can try something cool. It actually becomes exciting and invigorating, you know, because you're not stuck in just doing things because that's the way you've always been doing it. Uh, but people have creative ideas all the time. And in, in most organizations, most of the time, traditionally, those have been squashed because you're just like, nope, that's not the way we do it. Do it this way, you know? And you, you, and so then very quickly, people just kind of stop even thinking creatively about how to do processes better or uh, change systems or you know, whatever, or your example of the tool that, you know, th- that they create or whatever, um, all of that will help us uh, to not only improve better the next time, but it also continues to, it's a reinforcing process to to help reduce resistance. Um, mm. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about digitization, digitizing processes in the workplace um, to, to be able to reduce resistance, to help people to recognize the value of the, the, the changes that need to be happening uh, how can we start to build more of that in?
0: I think this kind of ties it all together if if done right, right so in in my experience at both at Hankel's and with uh, safety culture that I'm with now and, and the overlap with with the tools and the platform that we used, you know it was a way to digitize a lot of our processes, and one of them was, uh, with our, our gas workers, we were able to document the work that they would do throughout the day. And uh, so before we would fill in the hole, we'd have a, a picture of what's in the hole, okay? And and the importance of that is uh, if if our customer were to come in and, and, and dig it up and find a problem, we would have the ability to show them we did what we were supposed to do at the time, okay? So it was kind of insurance really for our company, which was a driving factor at first, but from a buying perspective in the field, uh, it gave them personal protection against being accused of doing something that, wrong when they didn't right and so we were successful in getting this implemented because we approached it from a what's in it for you right deal with them, uh, approach but we it works right like we went to the the field and said, this is what we're thinking. What do you think it should look like right how would you how would you put this together? What should the process be? How? What questions should we ask? How should we document it? Right. And the platform allowed for the flexibility to kind of customize things in that way so that when it came time to implement the new process, pretty much everyone that this affected had already seen it, touched it, given input to it, uh, knew the benefits of it to them. They didn't care about the benefits to the company. They cared about how is this going to protect my job? And that's the perspective that we took with them. Uh, and it And it worked and it took off right? And it became a best practice within the company. It actually spread to a lot of our competitors because our customer shared it with them. Uh, so, you know, you lose kind of the competitive advantage at that point, but you know, so what, it's kind of to the benefit of the industry. Uh, so that was, that was really, uh, the, the, the big turnaround for us, right? But what was funny was part of the process was, you know, the, the foreman would take a picture of, of, of certain aspects of the job. One of them was, uh, uh, you had to take a picture of a pressure gauge and one person wasn't taking that picture. And so we now because we had this technology in place, we were able to see that they weren't taking the picture. And so I called the foreman and I said, hey, uh, how come you're not taking the picture of your pressure gauge? And he said, well, my pressure gauge is broken. I said, well, why is your solution to that problem? Don't take the picture. Why don't you get your pressure gauge broke, uh, fixed? And he said, "I told you guys two months ago my pressure gauge was broken, and no one fixed it." And I was like, "Ah, it's so perfect, right? Like, I, like thank you, right? Thank you know, it's it's a shame it took us two months to to kind of let this resurface, but thank you for holding us accountable for uh, you know the problems that you would otherwise get blamed for, right? It's it's management's fault, it's leadership's fault, uh, and technology to me." Is a way to hold leadership accountable because if you're going to put this in the hands of the front line and you're going to say, "Okay, we're going," to, you know, this is to help you do your job. This then gives us visibility into our own shortfalls uh, and where we need to spend the time fixing kind of our stuff more so than putting it back on the field to fix theirs.
1: Yeah, I love that example, and it illustrates to the importance of the frontline worker in this whole process, the continuous improvement loop um, that will allow this to occur. And there has to be that mutual shared accountability to develop the trust. And when you do that, that also, by the way, helps reduce reduce resistance. It it just reinforces everything we've been talking about. Um, And so often, far too often, organizations take an approach uh, around change that, you know, it's top down, um, you know, Mm -hmm. you have the the C-suite executives, even middle management, they then go to the frontline workers and say, this is what you need to do. And it doesn't really make sense, or (sighs) it doesn't really fit with what they do day in and day out, or they tried that already, or, you know, Mm -hmm. all these things that nobody bothered to talk to them or (laughs) to get the input. And so just making that a part of the constant loop is so essential to make all of this work well.
0: So you've we've companies have to get past the us versus them mentality of management and field, right? It's us. You know, all too often the enemy is within, right? When you when you think about this and how, you know, if if management who doesn't do their due diligence and just puts a process upon the front line to then go execute, and they know that pushing back is futile. So they say, Got it, boss, let's watch this crash and burn and it does. And then, you know what I mean? Like it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so you need a common enemy, right? And that needs to be someone outside the company, whether it's protecting our market share, or we're kind of guarding against competitors getting into our space or, you know, whatever it may be, but you need a common cause to rally around that everyone knows how they contribute to it, right? For the benefit of all, but then also how they personally are going to benefit from it, whether it's job protection, whether it's you know, their, their their job satisfaction, whether it's the quality of life that they get to experience as a result of the changes, technology can't add more to their plate. It's got to make what they're currently doing easier and then hopefully have some other added, added benefits that are kind of tangential to that. Uh, but everyone has to win, not just, you know, not just the, the P&L balance sheet.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Kevin, this has just been a really great conversation. I know at the time I need to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
0: Oh, sure. Well, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Kevin Gauch. I don't, I don't know what my LinkedIn link is, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. I work for Safety Culture. Uh, you know, f- final thoughts on on today is just, you need to make sure that anyone that's affected by any kind of change has their voices heard and they get to play a part in what that change looks like. You can't, it can't be predetermined ahead of time and then backed into, you have to go into it with an open mind, an experimental mind, a theory to prove perhaps, but with uh, the understanding that you could be wrong and there could be a better way and then make sure that everyone that has the expertise and is affected by it has a chance to, to have their voices heard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Kevin, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Kevin can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the human capital innovations podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening